Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retainer, and I am broadcasting from here in the Hamptons, a place I have lived for over 50 years. I've written 12 books about this place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small fishing villages to what it is today, a summer paradise for New Yorkers, artists, writers, musicians, movie stars, we have it all. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with the Hamptons' powerful people, but I will also introduce you to residents who contributed to our growth through the years, and you may not even have heard about them. I want to welcome Elisa Kaufman to our show. Uh, Dr. Kaufman, as many New Yorkers live here in the Hamptons, as many New Yorkers do, lives here in the Hamptons. She's a professional house call dentist and wants to tell us about her practice and inspire others to learn the practice. Dr. Kaufman shares secrets of success in her book, How to Become a House Call Dentist. In fact, she just did a remote lecture today at Tufts University. So Dr. Kaufman, I wanted to ask you about um, how you came to uh, fall, I guess fall in love is probably the best way to describe it, that you felt that this was something you wanted to do. Well, first of all, I just want to say, Dan, that it's an honor that you chose me. Um, I've been in the Hamptons for 25 years, and um, I read your paper every week. And it's a thrill that um, I'm even speaking with you and doing this podcast with you today. So thank you, first of all. To answer your question, I've been practicing geriatric house call dentistry for 35 years. I grew up in Philadelphia. I went to the University of Pennsylvania, graduated in 1985, and moved directly to New York City to be with my friends from dental school because mostly everyone in my class that I was friends with were New Yorkers. So um, I immediately moved to New York. I fell in love with geriatric dentistry I was the denture nerd at Penn, uh, and that's nothing to brag about because when everybody was, you know, making everyone's teeth white, whiter, and they were doing these big crowns and bridges and bonding at the time, here I was making dentures. So my friends laughed at me, but, you know, I get the last laugh because I'm really helping an underserved population of people who cannot get out of their homes. Uh, And to just expand on that, I spent a lot of time, more than ever, um, during the pandemic in the Hamptons, and people found me on the internet, and I've actually have seen patients, I've never seen any patients in the Hamptons before the COVID happened, and now I am treating patients in the Hamptons, and it's, 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 it's exciting to go to people's homes there and actually be one of their neighbors, treating a neighbor, so I love it, I do. I had an epiphany after my best friend's dad had a stroke and he couldn't get out of the home. And as a favor, I went over to his apartment and I uh, just cleaned his teeth. No big deal. And after I I left, his wife, my, my, my best friend's mom, said to me, would you help out one of our neighbor's uh, husbands? And I said, sure. And ding, ding, ding. 
all of my experience making dentures and being the denture nerd or the denture queen in dental school and treating the elderly patients suddenly, you know, went off in my head. And I said, wait a second, people can't get out of their homes. They're, what do they do? How, what do you do if you have a toothache and, and you live in a building with stairs and you're 300 pounds? And I created this niche practice that I've been enjoying for 35 years. Was anybody else doing this before that you knew, knew of? Well, um, people had those mobile vans in other cities. I don't know about in New York City, like Manhattan, but in other cities, there's vans. But as, as you can imagine, if you could get outside to get in a van, you could get wheeled down the street to find a dentist. So if you, it's not the same. I mean, if you could get in a van and walk up the three steps or use the elevator hoist, you know, the lift for the wheelchair in the van, then, then go to the dentist, go to the van. I am strictly for people who can't or won't get out of their homes. And there's many, many, many people like that, even before COVID. Well, uh, what moved you to write the book about it? Is it an instruction book I saw? So to be quite honest with you, the book is not meant for the average person. The book is meant for dentists. It's almost like a cookbook that's meant for a well-trained chef. It's for dentists who are interested in doing this type of practice. So it literally tells you everything that you need to buy, the materials, the names of the materials, the cheapest place to buy the materials, what to do, what not to do, what to avoid, what type of people to avoid, all the forms they need to fill out. So it's a book that, you know, is really meant for dentists. But the reason I wrote the book is that so many of my friends said to me, you know, I'd love to know more about it. Why don't you write a book? And when I threw my back out last summer and I had two weeks that I was laying on my lounge chair in my backyard in Bridgehampton, I sat down for 10 hours a day for two straight weeks and I wrote the book and I had it published. I think that's wonderful. I think that you, you have identified a need and it's, it's, a, it's a mitzvah that you've chosen to do this. Describe a little bit about your comings in, and goings in, into various uh, apartments or homes to do this. What is it like for them and what is it like for you? You know, no one's ever asked me that question and I always wonder why. I think it's like the most interesting question you could ask me. So I would tell you it's like being a real estate agent, getting a listing. You never know what you're going to find, right? So <laughs> you get an address, you walk into the building. Sometimes there's a doorman, sometimes there isn't. You ring the doorbell and you never know what you're going to find. So I will tell you that I've seen everything you could ever, ever, ever in your wildest dreams imagine. And I'll actually repeat the story that I told the dental students today. I remember going to this woman's house. She was about 80 years old and she sounded great on the phone. And she just, her only complaint was that she wanted a new pair of dentures, that she had lost her dentures, that she thinks she flushed them down the toilet, but she wasn't sure. And she couldn't find them anywhere in her apartment. And she just couldn't look anymore. And she just decided the heck with it. I'm going to make a new pair. And so when I got to her apartment and I opened the door, Dan, if I tell you I should have fainted on the spot, 
that would have been the appropriate emotion to have. I opened the door and the word hoarding would be an understatement. So here was this lovely woman, clean, very, you know, well-dressed, without one spot in her apartment, without a book, a tchotchke, a, a, a vase, a magazine, a newspaper from 1945. And I said, you know, I never judge. That's one thing I walk. I know not to judge. I don't say to the person, how do you live like this? But this is what I said to her. I said, can you find me a spot in your apartment where I could put my material materials out to take impressions? And she said, oh, just move anything you want. I, well, I didn't want to touch anything. I mean, the, the dust alone, I didn't want to touch. So I walked into her kitchen and I said, would you mind if I put all your pots and pans and whatever in the sink? And I used the area next to the sink to put down my materials. And she said, sure, but how, how are we going to do this? I said, you see that stool right there? She said, yes. I said, you're going to sit on the stool with your head against the freezer door and we're going to do it in your, in your, in your kitchen. And that, is exactly what we did. We had to sit in the kitchen every time I, I went in there. And, you know, I laughed to myself because the damn dentures had to be somewhere. But I mean, how, how did she, how did she even get dressed in the morning? It was, it was, it was just unbelievable. I've seen about five orders in 35 years. And it's the only question I don't feel comfortable writing on my new patient form, but I'd love to. Are you a hoarder? That's, that's, <laughs> That would be a really good question for me to know before I get there. That way I could maybe uh, find a reason why I don't have to go. But that's that. I see that. I walk into people's homes who give me a, a fake name. And I, when I walk in, I see the Emmys on the wall. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm treating so <laughs> And even in the Hamptons, you know, when I see, when I, when I see patients in the Hamptons, they're always like, oh, my God. And I try to make myself feel more like a neighbor instead of like, you know, a hired help so that if they ever have a cool party, maybe they'll remember me. That's a good idea. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet, though, that they remember me. But it is COVID. But what are, well, just for a moment, a little side trip down the, the hoarder business. What, I've never been to an apartment where there was a hoarder and... Um, I just wondered why it, what you found it disturbing in some way. Not, not to say, I mean, you went and did the work, but you just said, uh, you know, I, I want to know this ahead of time, maybe not go. Well, I think that maybe if I knew they were a hoarder, I would bring a tray so that I'd have a clean working area to put on top of their yucky stuff because I, they don't like you to move things. Like I will say, Oh, can I move these magazines? Oh no, no, no. I, if you move them, I won't remember where they're at. And then I, I might go look, I might want to look at that time magazine from 1977. So if they have peculiar peculiarities besides just their, their issues with hoarding. So it's a whole, I, I can't even get into it. it, 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 it I'm not an expert on hoarding and I don't ever want to be. So what, what can you do and what can't you do when in dentistry, you know, uh, when you do a house visit like that? I can do everything except it makes it a lot easier. 
root canals because you should never get a root canal without a dentist using a microscope and the microscopes are about i don't know a thousand pounds on wheels and have you can never take that to someone's home home or apartment i do not do crown and bridge i don't do that much drilling most of my patients have some form of dementia to be honest with you so you know you don't want to do anything where you can't complete the task um, I don't do any very, very difficult extractions where it may become surgical, where I have to lay a flap. So other than that, I do everything else. I make dentures, I do fillings, I do exams, I do x-rays, I do uh, deep scalings, I do prophies, I, make, I do second opinions, um, pretty much everything. I give, I give all kinds of free products that I recommend. I'm very big on products. Uh, certain adhesives, something for dry mouth. I'm very picky on what toothbrush I want you to use, so I give it to you. The toothpaste I want you to use, I give it to you. Uh, I make it a very educational experience. I try to be funny, and I try to make it so that when I'm exiting the apartment, they say, wow, I am so glad I went to the dentist today. I said, no, I, I came to you. What do you mean you went to the dentist? So it's just, it's, it's, it's a feeling that I can't explain. You know, most dentists walk, go home aggravated. A patient thinks the color's a little bit off. You don't, but you get your, you get your kishkas eaten out when you have these patients. I come home and I feel so good about my job. Everybody appreciates me. I get love letters. I get recommendations. I, people send me their friends. I mean, this is a job that, I mean, I cannot imagine a better job in dentistry in the entire world. Oh, that's, that's just wonderful. I have a note here. Someone asked me to ask you if you have any funny stories of house calls. So I have a funny story for you. It's not funny, though. It's kind of depressing, but it's a story. In 35 years, every dentist has a story about the patient that bit them by accident. Everybody. I bragged about two things. Number one, I never had a back issue until I told you I had one last summer. And number two, no one ever has bitten me. Well, that changed last October. I went to this very lovely apartment with a very lovely wife a very lovely husband with very, very late stage dementia, but very well cared for and intelligent and an amazing aide. And all they wanted me to do, because he wanted to keep his teeth always, and the wife said, he went to the dentist every three months, and I found you. Would you come over and clean his teeth? Absolutely. So I went over to the home, and I was three quarters finished, and I use a bite block that has a stick on the end of it. So the wife was holding the bite block by the stick. You know, her fingers weren't in his mouth. The aide was holding his hand so that he couldn't punch me. And other than that, it was going really well. Well, the guy made a noise like he was going to sneeze. So instead of like the wife, you know, saying he's going to sneeze, she pulled the bite block out and he bit my finger so hard that I had to have surgery that evening. I had to get through the rest of the day with it all bandaged up like tourni- like with a tourniquet. But I got through the day and at 7 p.m. I had surgery on my finger 
And that's pretty much the worst thing. I wouldn't say it's a funny story. All my funny stories are not repeatable. But that was one of the stories that, you know, will always be in my, I will never forget. It'll always be in my head. Never trust anybody with the bite stick. Make sure they know, do not remove the bite stick. (laughs) That's good to know. Anything else we can discuss about this? Um, I think that we should talk about oral care for patients who are aging with all of their teeth. I think we should can talk about that. Okay. All right. So let's talk about when you, as you age, and I'm 60 years old, um, the one thing that you want to do is keep your teeth for as long as possible, right? You don't want to wear dentures. You don't want to have extractions. So it's really, really important that you brush your teeth effectively using the least abrasive toothpaste. Not all toothpastes are the same. And I think nobody thinks about that. Everybody thinks about if you use a really hard toothbrush, you're going to brush your enamel away. Well, what about what you brush with? What about the paste itself? The paste itself can be very abrasive. Think about cleaning your wood floor with Ajax and a brush. Now think about brushing your teeth with a soft toothbrush or a toothbrush that's, you know, uh, I, I like soft. I feel that the toothpaste is more important than the toothbrush. So my favorite toothpaste, and I don't get paid by anyone, it's not a dime, but I really love Sensodyne True White. It's the least abrasive. And I feel like you can brush your teeth three times a day using that and not causing any harm. I think some of the other toothpastes are very abrasive and people wonder why when they get older, their teeth look yellow. It's because you've brushed away the enamel, the white part of the teeth. So if you brush enough and you keep your teeth clean, you're going to be getting thinner enamel. And the next part of your tooth is dentin, which is yellow. And that's going to show through. And now you have yellow teeth. The second thing is that... As you age, you need to keep your mouth moist. When your teeth get dry and your tissues get dry, you get all kinds of problems. So drink a lot of water. And if you, you know, have dry mouth, there's products that you could use for dry mouth so that your teeth do not dry out and the tissues do not dry out. The third thing I say is, and I say this to everyone since I got out of dental school. I heard an instructor tell me this at Penn and I never forgot it. Only floss the teeth you want to keep. So if you can't floss, there's all kinds of contraptions that you could buy at the local pharmacy with the sticks that floss your teeth. And if you can floss your teeth, then a mouth rinse, there's all types that your dentist can suggest. There's some over the market, you know, that you get right over the counter. But ask your dentist what mouth rinse to use. And it really, really, really helps. And don't blame yourself when your teeth break. Because what happens is, especially older people over the age of 70, the dentistry many, many years ago, before the high-speed drill, before the use of fluoride, it was very different. The outcome that you had would be that you would get cavities or you would break teeth, which doesn't happen now with the younger generation. So you went to the dentist, you had a cavity, he filled your tooth with this ginormous filling. Well, that weakens your, t- your, t- your tooth. Someday that tooth is going to break. The next thing that happens is you need a root canal. After you need a root canal, then you need a post, you need a core, and you need a crown. So now you see where I'm going with this. So you want to keep your own teeth 
as healthy as possible, brush, floss, use the mouth rinse, drink plenty of water, and, 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 and see your dentist every six months. So if something is really small, they can fix it before it breaks or it becomes a real problem. And really choose your dentist wisely. Don't choose somebody who looks good, who doesn't hurt you. Get a recommendation to, for a really, really good dentist because not all dentists are the same. Okay, if someone wanted to find you because they had an elderly patient on their hands and somebody's, their mother moved in or whatever, how would they find you? So my name comes up with my website right away, Alisa Kaufman, DMD, A-L-I-S-A, Kaufman, K-A-U, double F as in friend, M-A-N, and my website is Geriatric House Call Dentistry, Geriatric House Call Dentistry.com. And I'm easy to find. There's lots of really good resources on my website. There is a caregiver's guide to oral health, what to do, what not to do in terms of denture care and t- tooth care. And I will tell you that the one thing, if one of your loved ones breaks a denture, do not try to ever, ever fix it at home. Do not buy the repair kits that they sell. Do not use crazy glue. To keep all the pieces, if it's two pieces, three pieces, five pieces, put it all in a Ziploc bag and call your dentist because we can fix it as if it never happened. You won't even notice it was broken. So never attempt to do anything at home yourself when it comes to dentures. And if your dentures are loose, it's probably because you've lost five to 10 pounds and we can fix that very, very easily as well. And most importantly, never ever sleep in your dentures because the denture is held by your bone in your mouth. And if you wear the denture every day and all night long, the bone in your mouth wears out and then your denture is loose and you are pretty much screwed so the only the story, my, a funny story I do hear all the time is the reason why people do not remove their dentures is because they're married to a second wife who doesn't know that they wear a denture. So they're embarrassed to take them out because then she's going to know or he's going to know that they have false teeth. And that's a true story. Well, I want to thank you for joining me. and I appreciate it. And uh, uh, it's good to get to know you. Thanks so much for having me. And um, and will you wave to me on the street in the Hamptons? I will whenever I see you. Okay, uh, great. Bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs>